I hope that you have your Bibles available tonight because we will uh, look at several uh, scriptures or scripture references. Um, if you're taking notes, there will be uh, points in, uh, on, the, on the PowerPoint, but also I uh, hope that you'll write down some of these scripture references. We're going to be wrapping this um, uh, series up of equipping the saints for ministry um, uh, in, in April. Uh, at the end of April. Uh, and so uh, I've enjoyed this, and I hope that you have uh, taken to heart some of the things that uh, Bill Bagents and Corey Collins brought out in that book that I've been sharing. Uh, and the last few, uh, as we think about uh, being equipped for ministry, the last few uh, are bringing it home. The last few are uh, talking about ways that we can get that done. And I, I want us to think about these things on a personal level. All of us want to grow, right? And so tonight we're going to talk about maturity. We're going to talk about the idea of growing. Human beings, someone wrote, human beings grow by striving, working, and stretching. And in a sense, human nature needs problems more than solutions. That's interesting. Why are not all prayers answered magically and instantly? Why must every convert travel the same tedious path of spiritual discipline? Because persistent prayer and fasting and study and meditation are designed primarily for our sakes, not for God's. Kierkegaard said that Christians reminded him of schoolboys who want to look up the answers to their math problems in the back of the book rather than work them through. We yearn for shortcuts, but shortcuts usually lead away from growth, not toward it. Apply the principle directly to Job. What was the final result of the testing that he went through? As her, uh, Abraham Herschel observed, faith like Job's cannot be shaken because it is the result of having been shaken. I can remember growing up and, and I would come across a word in my homework or something like that and I would ask my, my mom, I would say, what does that word mean? And she would always give me the dreaded answer. Go look it up in the dictionary. And I would think, well, it's much easier if you just tell me what it is and I can move on. It's less time, right? But see, what she was trying to teach me is exactly what, uh, what this guy was, uh, Abraham Herschel was saying about faith, uh, about Job's faith. The reason he had gotten to that point is because he had to go through those trials. Ministry helps us to mature. Now remember when we started talking about this, we, we set out the fact that every one of us are ministers. And ministry helps us to mature. Even in the text of Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16, which has been the base text, we've not always looked at that, but it's been the base text, it urges Christians to grow. For example, as Christians are equipped for ministry and the church are encouraged. Verses 13 and 14 tell us these things happen when Christians are equipped for ministry. We grow in the unity of faith. Verse 13. We grow in the unity of faith. When we, are, when we become equipped for ministry and we involve ourselves in ministry, then we grow in the unity of faith. We also, verse 13, we grow toward the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. We also grow in our knowledge of the Son of God. 
verse 13. How do we know someone? It's because we, we grow in knowledge of them. We spend time with them. And we, when we spend time in the ministry, we grow in our knowledge of the Son of God as well as in our study of His Word. We also become more secure and stable in faith because we encourage one another like we did this morning and like we have done so many other times. When we spend time praying with one another, involving ourselves in that part of the, the work of ministry, we all grow. And we grow up in the all things in the Him who is the head, Christ. A few weeks ago we talked from John chapter 4 where John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. You see, John the Baptist realized that it's about the head. It's about Christ. And when it comes to the church and when it comes to ministry, the reality is what we need to think about. Yes, we all can bring our talents and abilities. We all can bring even our own thoughts. But at the end of the day, it's about who are we trying to honor? When we involve ourselves in ministry, it's about honoring and pointing toward Christ. Now a couple of things that uh, Bajance and Collins point out in that book. First of all, the need for maturity. The need for maturity. We need to grow. Sometimes Scripture speaks of immature Christians as babes in Christ. For example, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal or worldly, as to babes in Christ. You see, when we think physically, like Jesus was uh, trying to get the, the, His apostles this morning in our lesson, trying to get them to think spiritually, when we think worldly, then we're thinking as babes in Christ. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13, the Hebrew writer says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. You know, babies, they need milk, right? They can't handle solid food. But you and I, as we grow and mature, we need more solid food. And that comes from our... Everyday study of God's Word, our coming together, and we bring the things that we've learned and the knowledge that we've gained, and we bring that into uh, our classes and the times that we're together. Paul also uses this idea in Ephesians 4 and verse 14, that we should no longer be children. Not long ago you were a child, but you've grown, now you're an adult, that we no longer should be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of the deceitful plotting. Paul says, listen, you have to grow. We have to grow. Physical development is a necessary process, right? So is spiritual development. The problem comes then. The problem comes... Uh, I, I wish I had this video. I didn't think about it until just right now. Uh, I, I saw this video uh, the other day as I was watching a lesson. And the video was about this adult who stayed in kindergarten. Imagine that. Imagine if you at your age, whatever that age is, then tomorrow morning you're going to go to kindergarten. Not to a job. Or not to some other event. You're going to go to kindergarten. And so in this video, this man, he goes to kindergarten. He says, listen, I don't want to go to first grade. Because in first grade, they have to do more work. He 
says, I want to stay right here in kindergarten because in kindergarten it's comfortable. And it's as if he stayed in kindergarten because it was comfortable all of his life. And so the sad thing is, is when we stay in kindergarten spiritually. So we need to grow in order to help the church, in order to help the ministry of the church, in order to help the equipping of other saints. Shouldn't that be the goal for every Christian? To grow and mature in Christ? We do that on a daily basis. Uh, We do that through our own study. I I, want to encourage you. um, If you have a smartphone, uh, there's an app called the YouVersion app. And I just, I just want to encourage you, if you have a smartphone or an iPhone, uh, well, any, any device, I guess, uh, you can download this app. It's called Uversion. And I want you to know several among this congregation are already on that app. And the way I know that is because Dustin sent out uh, all, all these friends re- friend requests and several have become friends. And when you become friends, you encourage one another. You see their progress, they see your progress. You see the reading plans they're doing. And then you can click on that and you can save it for later or you can start that plan as well. You can invite others to read with you. And that's just a simple way. That's that's an elementary way. There, There are other ways through your own Bible study. Every single day. Through your own prayer. Every single day. We also do so as we enter the act with people. And learn from our mistakes on a daily basis. We learn from each other. We learn as we study the Bible together. As we share our different perspectives on where we are and the things that we're learning from God's Word. God expects His children to go. I want to grow. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And I want us to begin in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. The Hebrew writer here is talking about the heading in my Bible is spiritual immaturity. He says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you've been at a point that you should be teaching people, he's saying. But now, but you still need someone to teach to you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. In other words, he's saying, you're not growing spiritually. And that's not good for you and that's not good for the church. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, to those who are more mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us leave these elementary principles, not forget them. You know, it's always good to go back and remember the basics, right? They do it in sports. It's important in uh, spiritual lives as well. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from uh, dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on in the hands, of resurrection of the dead, of the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So you see, even God wants 
His people to go on to maturity. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And then in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. Turning your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. I, I just want to read a few verses. And here we have uh, embedded in these verses that we'll look at are the Christian graces. And, and I want you to notice a word in there that indicates growth. 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, writes this. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Shows us how Peter feels about these Christians he's writing to. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that describes growth who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason Giving all diligence. What does that indicate? Diligence. Effort. Quickness. Do not hesitate. Work on this. Add. What does add mean? It means grow. It means add on to. Grow. Add to your faith, virtue. To your virtue, knowledge. To your knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. You're not going to keep from growing when you add these things to your life. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, even more diligent. Give, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God expects His children to grow. Spiritual maturity also presents some dangers. There's a lesson coming up in the next week or so that talks about growth. And growth is something we all want. We want it for the church and we want it for us individually. But here's something we need to realize about growth. Growth brings challenges. Both physically and spiritually. You see, some of the dangers of being immature is that the immature are gullible. When we don't grow, we're gullible. We're susceptible to things. We're naive. Uh, the, the immature Christians, they pursue 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 23. Foolish and ignorant disputes that cause division and strife. 
Timothy says. Or Paul writes to Timothy. The spiritually immature find it easy to scratch their itching ears and turn away and from the truth to fables. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The spiritually immature forget that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and rulers of darkness. I've said this before and I want to say it again. One thing that Satan would love more than anything is to get inside this body and grow like a cancer and cause division and cause us to focus on the things we don't like about one another. Or the things I don't like about this part of the building or that part of the building. And when we get focused on all that, guess what? Satan has us right where he wants us. You see, when we seek to grow in Christ... We realize the battles against Satan, not our brothers and sisters in Christ. The spiritually immature can be led away by people acting religious, but not really having a love of God in them. Paul writes about in 2 Timothy chapter 3. The spiritually immature also targets for Satan. You remember those nature films? About a group of lions. You've seen those? And those group of lions and they're, 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 they're watching their prey and they're just going around slowly and they're, they're staying close to the ground and they're watching that prey. What are they looking for? They're looking for the young and the weak. They're looking for those who separate themselves from the group. Hello? The ones that are separated from the group, that's who the lion is looking for? That's who he wants to pounce on. And Peter gives us an idea of how Satan acts a lot like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's why spiritual growth is important. That's also why it's important that we stay together. Satan and his followers do not wear signs that say, Hey, go get your false message here. Someone has written, In their most deadly form, they maintain the language and appearance of faithfulness. Do you remember in Jeremiah chapter 27, the example of the false prophet Hanai? He seemed to be the optimistic and patriotic one. While many believed that the prophet of God, Jeremiah, he was the one that was the faithless traitor. Because of that false prophet, Haniah. Remember also in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes this, verse 14, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if His ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. In Jude, verse 4, he speaks about false teachers and he says, certain men who have crept in unnoticed. He's warning to watch out for those people. While they attended the love feast, Jude chapter 12 lets us know that their goal was not loving. You see, that's the thing about false teachers and people uh, that, that are followers of Satan that wish to cause division. 
You see, their love is their goal is not the love of God. Their goal is not bringing together unity. But in Ephesians chapter 4, when Paul is talking about maturity, you see, growing in maturity, I realize who's the head? Me, right? No, I realize Christ is the head. You see, mature Christians, they seek to test truth. Remember in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 and following, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. He's talking about those who teach. But test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have, have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That's how you know if someone is of God, he says. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Dr. Luke writes in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, They received the Word of God with all readiness. They were ready. They were prepared to receive the Word of God. And what did they do with it? And searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Also, the test of truth comes in the real world as we face trials in ministry. There's one thing about life that most of us have learned. Life is tough. Life is difficult. Life has tears. Life has pain. And that's why God has prepared a better place for us. Life has persecution. Just look at the New Testament Christians. Look at those Christians in the book of Revelation. They were persecuted. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. The Bible says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, they use it in their everyday lives, having their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, there's something about the experience of life that teaches us some things, isn't it? What do we call that? Maturity. When I was working with young people, um, oftentimes when I would have an older person in with our young people, I would, or, or they would come and speak to our young people, I would tell them, I'd say, you know, a lot of times we look at that white or gray hair and we might think that means old. You see, what I wanted to plan in their minds was to not think old when you see white hair and gray hair. Thank you all very much. What I wanted to plant there in their mind was that meant maturity. That meant wisdom because they've gone through some experiences in life. And you see, though we can't always see physical or spiritual gray hair or white-headedness, spiritually, that means we've gone through some things. That means we've gone through some fires. That means we've made some wrong decisions. 
And we've grown and we've learned from that. And we want to share that with others. But you see, equipping is very important because only those who are equipped for ministry are prepared to do the ministry and deal with it. And there are three aspects that Bajants and Collins mention in their book. The first one is the unity of faith. We need to be prepared and we need to grow in the unity of faith. Remember Pilate's famous question, what is truth in John chapter 18 and verse 38? You know, sometimes I wish in one of those movies, uh, not to be blasphemous or sacrilegious, but uh, sometimes in my mind I'm thinking, I wish they would insert uh, Jack Nicholson when uh, Pilate would ask, what is truth? And he would say, well, Pilate, you can't handle the truth. Because the reality is, he, he couldn't handle it. He faced truth. And he couldn't handle it. Because John chapter 14 and verse 6, the Bible tells us, Jesus speaking Himself, Jesus says, I am truth. Jesus brings truth, John says in John chapter 1 and verse 17. Jesus is linked to truth and salvation, John chapter 8 and chapter 17. And in biblical terms, truth is something that can be known, taught, obeyed, and practiced. So we need to be prepared in the unity of faith, in the knowledge of God's Word, and in the knowledge, number two, the knowledge of the Son of God. The best definition, or short definition, of Christian maturity, someone has said, is Christ-likeness. Jesus is our perfect pattern. If you want to know how to walk on the face of this earth, Jesus is the pattern. He's the pattern. He's the goal. Our greatest goal is to be like Him. Whenever I think about that, and I realize, we realize, don't we? We can't be like Jesus, right? That's impossible. But He's our pattern. I remember the story, I've shared it with you before, about Bart Starr. Bart Starr was playing with the Green Bay Packers. And when Vince Lombardi came, in the first team meeting, Bart Starr writes in an article, and he tells about that first meeting with Vince Lombardi. And he says, gentlemen... We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Every day when we go out, we will seek perfection, knowing full well we will not attain it. But in the process, we will catch excellence. You see, that's what it's about. We will never be like Christ. But in the process, if He's our pattern... We will grow and we will mature and we will be better today than we were yesterday. And then the third thing that they talk about in their book in this chapter is the recognition that there are competing doctrines and those who promote them. We need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that Satan is well at work. He did it with Jesus. He did it with Adam and Eve. Satan is well at work trying to deceive, trying to deceive people. Someone has said, a critical aspect of being equipped for the work of ministry is gaining the ability to recognize and resist those doctrines without forsaking the Spirit of Christ. Well, there are some examples of people that did that or struggled with that in Scripture. Sure there are. I think about the brethren at Galatia. They were in danger of turning away from the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And so Paul writes about that in Galatians chapter 1. Also think about the church at Corinth. Oh, Corinth had problems. We know about that. They were following men rather than Christ. And Paul had to deal with that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Remember, he talks about division. Are you following this one, this one, this one? Is Christ divided? They were condoning immorality in chapter 5. They were misusing miraculous spiritual gifts in chapters 12 through 14. They struggled with some of these things. Also, the church at Colossae, they were warned, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, Paul writes, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. You see, that brings to mind when I think about that Scripture and some of the things that they struggle with. He says the traditions of men. We have some good traditions in our fellowship. But we also need to realize that some of those are traditions, right? And the whole thing, the whole thing that we want to do is we want to grow in Christ. Christ is the head. Christ is the focus. Christ is the example. And so we want to continue to look at ways that we can be more like Christ how we can reach out to more people for Christ. Not according to the basic principles of the world, but according to Christ. In Colossae also, some thought that they were they could add to God's design for worship and holy living. They thought they could add to that. And so Paul had to deal with that in Colossians chapter 2. They also had forgotten that God was supreme. One of the themes in the book of Colossians is the supremacy, supremacy of Christ. Christ is it. Christ is head. Paul dealt with that. And then they deal in their book with going on to spiritual maturity. I just want to bear with you. I want to share some of these things. Spiritually, the spiritually mature Christians are grounded in God's Word. That's why it's important we read God's Word. So we can be grounded in His Word. John 8, 44, they stand in truth. 1 Corinthians 15 and Romans 5, they stand in the gospel and in grace. They're able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil because they seek to daily put on the whole armor of God. Do you think Satan's after us? Do you remember when he was after Job? Or do you remember in the story of Job when God, uh, the, the men of God, where they were, they were gathered to worship? And you remember who else was there? Satan. And God says, well, what are you doing, Satan? Well, I'm, I'm coming to and fro about the earth. Well, have you considered my servant Job? Satan's after us, isn't he? And it's important that we be aware of the tricks of the devil. It's important that we daily put on the armor of God. You see, putting on the armor of God is not something we do on the day we give our life to Jesus and are buried with Him in baptism. That's something we have to do daily. Jesus said, listen, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up that cross daily. What, what's that mean? You've got to deny yourself and take up that cross daily. What's the cross mean? The cross means death. And I have to lay myself aside Every single day. And folks, that's a challenge. Galatians 5, Paul writes about that. He says it's a challenge because the flesh and the Spirit, they're opposed to one another. And it's all a matter of who I give in to each day. Maybe even each moment. I came across a couple of illustrations I want to share with you. One day following the end of World War I, General Louis Lottie 
asked his gardener to plant a particular type of tree on his estate. The gardener objected that the tree, being unusually slow to grow, would take nearly a century to reach maturity. In that case, the general said, there is no time to lose. Plant it this afternoon. Because it takes time. And so when we, when we talk about maturity, uh, we should not look at someone who's been a Christian for 30, 40 years and say, man, I, I want to be like that. Well, see, the fact of the matter is they've gotten there because they've gone through some difficult times. They've gone through some periods of life where they didn't know which way to turn. They've gone through some periods of life where, where they were broken. They've gone through some of those good times too where they learned to really rely on God. And to thank God for those days. And the reason, like Job, they have a shaken, a shake-proof faith, faith is because they've been shaken. You see, it takes time to get there. But don't let the time keep us from growing. One person wrote in a devotional about growth, Maturing is a long and sometimes slow process. You don't need to rely on church for your spiritual food. That's a unique thought, isn't it? Rather, take in portions throughout the week. Do personal Bible study. Attend a group Bible study. Listen to Bible teaching uh, on the radio or watch uh, teaching on TV. Be focused on your prayer life. As a child grows into a man, he is ready for solid foods. In the same way, when Christians mature spiritually, they crave deeper satisfaction. It takes a lifetime of growth to become spiritually mature, but it's a beautiful and worthwhile process. Just as waiting for a tree to blossom, be patient as you work towards maturity in Christ. And finally, I want to share with you Amy Carmichael once penned these thoughts. Sometimes we read the words of those who have been more than conquerors. We feel almost despondent, she writes. I feel that I shall never be like that. But they won through step-by-step little bits of wheels, little denials of self, little inward victories by faithfulness in in very little things. They became what they are. No one sees these little hidden steps. They only see the accomplishment. But even so, those small steps were taken. There is no sudden triumph. No spiritual maturity. That is the work of the moment. Satan is after us. He's after us individually. And he's after us collectively. And we need to be aware of that. And let us be challenged tonight. Let us leave this place saying, you know what? This is where I'm at tonight. But tomorrow... It may be a little step, but I'm going to take a little step toward growing to maturity in Jesus Christ. Because my life will be better, even winning those little steps. My family's life will be better, even growing in those little steps. And guess what? As Paul says, my church family's life will be better by taking those small little steps. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, it's our prayer that you would become one, that you would give your life to Jesus Christ and be buried with Him through faith and obedience. 
in that watery grave of baptism to rise in newness of life. Maybe it is you need prayers. Maybe it is you need to return to your first love, as some might say. Maybe it is you're here tonight. As Aaliyah said this morning, listen, I have some heavy burdens and I need, someone, I need my church family to pray with me and to pray for, for you. Listen, I want you to know our time is about up, but we stand here ready and willing to assist you any way we can. If you'll just make your way to the front, we'll hold you, we'll love you, we'll pray with you, and we'll help you. And we'll lift you up to God this very night. As together we stand and sing.